Bad things happen in Philadelphia. Hey, Sharon. Sharon, you got to come see this. We are back. We are the Driveway Athletes. I'm Jack. I'm joined tonight by Ed. We had a nice little Memorial Day hiatus. We did. Um, took a little break for a week. Little recharge. Now we're back at it. Yeah, yep. little recharge. Um, it was good for me to, you know, like I had to plan out about about you. I know you you were busy, but I had like um, this was like my first like meal that I was preparing to like eat with people mm-hmm. since last year, like the first family meal. I mean, yeah, it's it's. Open and back up, so to speak, right? Yeah, I mean, it's been long enough. <laughs> Certainly has, yeah. So, <laughs> um, would you, uh, would you wind up making? So I made a whole uh, pork shoulder, or what people would refer to as a Boston butt, <laughs> <laughs> and four racks of St. Louis style ribs, and then additionally, um cornbread and i make cornbread just to make a topping for my mac and cheese so cornbread and then mac and cheese nice did you get a good bark going on that uh Ah, come on come on um (laughs) yeah so that went in overnight at like um i started trimming at 11 trimming and seasoning it it went in around midnight um and then cooked pretty much straight through until about 8 a.m and it was done at eight um but I cook it uncovered, and um, I just went out at like uh, three in the morning, spray it down with some broth and some um, fat, mm-hmm. a little bit of Worcestershire, uh, just to you know keep it from drying out. But a lot of times, if you have a little bit of a sugary content to that spray, it will help you with your bark. It just like caramelizes on it, right? Yeah, and I cook yeah. I cook pork butt. And brisket usually at about two seventy five. Okay. Um, because it cooks a little faster. Um, it's not quite like what's considered hot and fast, but it's like in between. And then when I saw how fast it was cooking, like I woke up and I just dialed the temperature back. Like I always feel like it's easier to just dial it back than try and rush through because you never know how fast it's going to climb. So you'd rather be a little ahead of schedule than a little behind schedule. Um. Did you have to wrap it, or was it? I like, the only thing I wrap is ribs. I don't wrap brisket. I don't wrap um, okay. butt. So what I do when I pulled it out, I pulled it out at about two hundred, one ninety eight, two hundred, uh-huh. somewhere in that range. Um, I double like so. I cooked it in a in a foil tray, and gotcha. I just double wrapped the whole tray after it was done. Let it rest for like three hours. Gotcha. Um, and then. Uh, then pulled it down. You know, pulled so it. It, it. That kind of meat, like you don't get a stall with it. Uh, you do. Um, any meat you do. Um, the big cooks. Uh, it's just a natural part of physics. Right. Um, the crutch will help you cut that back, but if you cook it two seventy five, for the most part, the stall is not that long. It's like just enough of a te- of a temperature increase that it bumps it through. Like that's the bonus. So how do you, wait, how do you get past the stall? Like it, it's just shorter. So the hotter temperature you cook, the stall is going to be shorter. 
Right. But I thought like you had to like wrap it to get that temperature like nah. No. no, you can do unwrapped and not and still get through the stall. Like no matter what physics will take over. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're cooking at 225 or 250, even if you don't wrap it, um, it's going to eventually get to your final temperature as long as it's not, as long as your final internal temperature isn't higher than 225 or 250. That's just physics. It's just what ends up happening. Why it stalls is like the meat is squeezing and it's squeezing the moisture out. And then when it hits the surface, it evaporates and that's happening at such a rate for brisket. It's usually around 160 degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, that's happening at such a rate that it causes the temperature to level off for an amount of time. When you wrap it, it traps the heat in, so your evaporation kind of doesn't, you don't lose as much, um, and it pushes it through. But you're still going to stall even at a wrap. It just oh, yeah. makes it shorter. So if you just, instead of doing a wrap, like, so I don't want to get too far off into, like, barbecue. Barbecue no, science no. can be, like, bro science, but, like, <laughs> um, I'm of the opinion we use we ah that got loud for a second. We use pellet cookers, um, uh-huh. and pellet cookers even at low temperatures don't kick off as much smoke as like a um, like a stick burner would be like a traditional smoker, traditional offset. Uh-huh. Um, so in that like there's two reasons there's there's literally only two reasons that you wrap your meat, and one is is to push through the stall, and the second is is that you don't want it to take on too much smoke. Too much smoke isn't really that big of a risk with pellet smokers. No. So if the stall is our concern and we're not concerned about too much smoke, just just crank the temperature up a little bit. Gotcha. That's, you know, for what it's worth, you can tell me I'm an idiot and you should cook everything at 225. Uh, you know, like, to me, to you, to most people who are co- eating barbecue in your backyard, you're not going to tell the difference in a pork butt um, that's cooked for 14 hours versus what's cooked in eight. Um, there is a difference, but the average person can't tell it. It's like the, it's like a difference in like a silky texture. You're not going to tell a difference in a brisket, you know, that right. just is, um, different kind of beef, different amount of fat content. What you're most worried about when you're cooking those things is getting the collagens, the thing, the tightly wound fat fibers that are like in between the muscle to break down into almost like a gelatin. Right. Um, and that happens at around like 195 degrees yeah, or so. It has nothing to do with like the safety of the meat. It's more so the making it like tender, right? Like yeah, like are... brisket, things, things, things seem, seem counterintuitive. So like when you think of a tough steak, you think of a steak that's overcooked, right? Mm-hmm. When it comes to brisket, if your brisket is tough, it's actually undercooked usually. It's if right. it's overcooked, it's dry, um, or it's crumbly. Um, be, just because of the like where the meat is located on the animal and how it breaks down. Um, so it's just yeah, it's not about being safe. It would be safe to consume at 165 degrees. You cook it to 199 to 201 or 202. Yeah. You know, and it's there's you you don't get a medium rare brisket. You know, it just doesn't work. Right. You know, that's just the way it is in pork butt. Different animal, different location on the animal, but same kind of idea. You got to break down that fat, that tight. There's like tightly woven fat in in the muscle fibers, and you got to get that to a gelatin. And I know yeah, that sounds I gross. Think, yeah, it is what it is. I mean, these are like I I I, I want to say these probably not anymore but we're considered like 
cheap cuts of meat. Well, like, br- brisket for sure. Um, right, like they're not anymore. They're I feel like they're pretty expensive. Oh, brisket right? is. Yeah, if you get a yeah. full pack of brisket, it's gonna you know even a cheaper like quality, it's still gonna run you over a hundred bucks. You know, like yeah, it's like six. You know, we're we're in the Philadelphia area. If we we're in Texas, it might be different, mm-hmm. where they actually raise you know yeah. all, all that cattle, right. but. Um, yeah, it's going to run you like $6 a pound. So if you're getting like an 18 pound brisket, it's, you know, it's going to run you. And then you're going to trim so much off of it before you even put it in, in to cook it. Um, but that's the fun of it. So yeah, I made, and I switched at some point in like the last couple of years, I do St. Louis cut ribs instead of, um, baby backs. Gotcha. Um, they have like a flatter top. And they're like a little bit straighter. The bones are a little bigger. They're not quite as small as baby backs. And you do a three, two, one method. I do I do that especially if I'm cooking for a lot of people and I don't have time to like when I say playing around, but like when I don't have the time to like really monitor it, three, two, one is just such like an easy method to get mm-hmm. like really tender ribs without much thought. You know, like yeah. and. Like you, you just don't ha- like you do have to move it around. Three, two, one is a style where you where you do have to you're manipulating them, you know, basically three times. Like you're putting them in the smoker for three hours, and then you're taking them off and wrapping them with butter and a liquid and some warrior rub for two, and then you're mm-hmm. unwrapping them and saucing them for one. So like you are you know you are manipulating them a lot, but like there isn't in like oh at this temperature I have to do this, and I've really got to make sure I get to that temperature. Three, two, one kind of solves for, you know, it, it simplifies it. And the thing is, is that if you're in a competition, you're not going to do three, two, one because fall off the rib, fall off the bone, which is like what most people consider a good rib is actually not what a judge in a competition wants. Mm-hmm. But anybody who's eating at your house is going to be really impressed with it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> and if it tastes good, they don't give a shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they don't, they're not going to ask you what, freaking method you used no they're not gonna be like oh i bit into this and it all fell apart they're gonna be like holy yeah. crap there's not yeah. any meat left on this bone you know yeah what you're cooking for your friends or for a meal or for your family is very different than what you'd be doing in a for sure competition oh and i made barbecue sauce as always nice yeah very nice so that was my memorial day it started at 11 o'clock and i think that i was done cooking and eating by four and didn't really get much sleep that night you did no i didn't oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. the <laughs> night after absolutely yeah absolutely but you know as cheesy as it sounds and i think you agree that's why you got a smoker like mm-hmm. the the statement of like this was like quote unquote made with love is yeah. like exceptionally true in barbecue because it is a labor of love. It is not, you know, like it is not a fast thing. You've got if to do it right, you're going to have to do some watching. It uh, takes time. It takes time. There's, you know, you can rush through it with temperatures, but for the most part, even even if you cook at a higher temperature, seasoning it and making sure it doesn't dry out and slicing it, that's mm-hmm. you know, like trimming it is an hour and slicing it is an hour. That's two hours. So even if you cooked your food in <laughs> in a right. short amount of time, you're literally taking two hours where you're not cooking that are still tending to it. But when the product is good, it's good. For sure. So 
yeah, that was my that was my uh, big cook. Now I don't have to hopefully barbecue for a bunch of people until like the fourth of July. You got a couple of weeks. Got a couple weeks, and then it'll be fourth of July, and then it'll be fantasy draft. We're getting there. We're, We're getting there. Young. We're getting there. So, um, the last couple weeks, we had been talking Game of Thrones. I, through the holiday, we both kind of took a break. Mm-hmm. And um, I had watched it as it went, but you also completed Mayor of Easttown. Yeah, we binge-watched it. I think that was the way to go. Yes, yeah, I think so, too. Like, for this kind of show, I think it's the, it's the way to go for, like, a... Um, 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 a whodunit. I'm not going to call it a mystery, but a whodunit. Yeah, so I guess, like, spoiler alert coming up for people that are listening. We're, We're almost gonna... a week out. I think that's plenty of time. Yeah, I just like to say it, but... Um... If you haven't watched, hit pause. Yeah. Join the rest of the world. <laughs> and then come back. Then come back. It's, like, one of the highest rated shows, like, of recent time, you know? Um... You make a good point. Um, well, well, wait. About like, just... make sure we get that. Because um, the 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 listeners out there don't know my my point. So give your feelings. No. Well, he, no, before I get into the show, like you you said you watched it as we went along, mm-hmm. and I kind of just watched it, binge watched it, like like. HBO has done that when, like, a Netflix would just all release it at one time. Um, That has kind of been the trend the last couple years. And uh, it's it's weird for, like, a show to, like, air week to week and you're waiting for it. I guess Disney Plus does that also with, like, The Mandalorian and stuff like that. Yeah, I think it's going to become, I think the Netflix version, as Netflix, Netflix, think about it, it's waning a little bit. And it's losing some ground to the other to It the is. Other apps. Uh, you mean, like, business model-wise? like I just think their studio is not cranking out the same amount of, like, um, well, original got content. Comp- sure, got competition. Yeah. Um, with Marvel shows with Disney Plus and Star Wars shows and now HBO Max throwing out yeah. stuff like that. Peacock's even throwing out original content. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess they're getting back to the model of like, we're going to air this weekly, which... Serialized, like, right? Which I guess from a business standpoint, like you're... Let's just say like I sign up because everybody's talking about this Mayor of Easttown, like... I start it. I have to have the HBO Max for a minimum of, I guess, seven weeks. You know, like that's two months paid, right? I I also think that you and I had this discussion because I like the Netflix model of like here mm-hmm. it's all here if you want to watch it. But you you would give me pushback on it, and I think your point is right. Getting people to talk about it is also good for business. You know, yes. This this kind of show. And having that build up and people have their theories of what happened and have time to let it breathe, you know, mm-hmm. like, I think, I think you're right. I think for storytelling, having debate and discussion and people talking about your show is, is just better. Yeah, because everybody has to talk about it at the same time as opposed to me watching it all in one weekend and then 
somebody doing it the next week. And then, you, you, yeah, you, you would have to, like, not talk about it until that person's finished. So, like, now you're, you're talking about it as it goes, which I think, yes, is, is definitely the, probably business-wise the way to go. I th- also think yeah. it's just a better version of storytelling, honestly. Yeah. Like, I think patience is a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just think for as far as storytelling goes, it's better for your audience to wait and anticipate and discuss. Um, it's better in that regard. When it's all out there, you're almost, I don't know, like you're you're telling the whole season rather than each chapter. Does that right. make sense? Yes. Yep. Totally. So, Mayor of Easttown is on, if you don't know what it is, it's on HBO Max, starring Kate Winslet. Um, it's a, it takes place in this area. A lot of it was shot in, actually, a lot of it was shot in Coatesville. Oh, was um, it Coatesville? So, was, is, yes. is Easton supposed, or is Easttown supposed to be like Easton? Because I feel like it's not like Easton either. <laughs> no, I, you know, I guess it's like... It's a made-up town, right? In but it's Delaware like County, in, Delaware in, County. in Delaware County, and they're not. It's like less populous and more populous in some ways, you know. Like, right. The houses seem close together, but there's a lot of like wooded areas mm-hmm. in the show. That like, if you're not from the Philadelphia area, which I believe like eighty percent of our audience or ninety-five percent of our audience is, <laughs> right. like. So, like, when you look at, because we're from the far northeast, we're from the far northeast Lower Bucks line. Like, that's, that's, Lower Bucks is the suburb that we're most familiar with. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when you look at suburbs, Lower Bucks feels way more suburban than Delco does. Delco feels, I feel like the, the, the border between the city and the county mm-hmm. is more blurred. Like, it blends together. For sure. Um, yeah, and I don't like, know that you have that you, feeling in the show. Yeah, like until you get like, I guess like farther west, you start to get into like more suburban type a- areas for sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but we get to hear the glorious Delco accent and all its beauty. Yeah, and I was saying this to like Alana like like I could pick up on like a northeast accent pretty easily mm-hmm. um and I and I was saying like I never noticed people like the Delco accent like I never like heard it that pronounced like it was definitely felt exaggerated but but I don't know if it, I don't think it was, and I'm going to say this as like delicately as possible. <laughs> but like I don't really, I I don't hang with the neighborhood pe- person anymore. If that makes yeah. sense, like yeah. I feel like that is like the how the people talk in the neighborhood, and that's how it would be in the Northeast too. Yeah, but there are, like, the funny thing is, is, like, the Northeast and Lower Bucks 
and Delco are more alike than both places would like to think. Like, the accents are clearly different, you know. Mm-hmm. But they're more alike as far as, like, class makeup and, like, right. traditions. You know, like, Delco, Northeast Philly. Like, it's always about, like, what parish you're from or, or right. what, you know, like... I don't know. I think there's a lot of similarities in that regard, but I get what you're saying as far as like not being like you're you're not at the the, the neighborhood bar. Yeah, like you if, know, I shooting feel like darts. If I were to walk in there and just sit down and talk to everybody, like it would it would be that pronounced to me as it was in the show. So like it was authentic. It didn't feel inauthentic, right? You know, like I just you know Del the Delco accent. And the South Philly accent, and in your point, the Northeast accent, and um, people not from this area might not realize, and and but like you can tell the difference. You like we can tell the difference, I guess. Yeah. You know, for like sure. what part of the city someone's from, and I don't know how. You know, I would imagine it's very, it's it's a it's like a place like maybe New York or Boston, um, but unlike maybe some Midwest cities. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, maybe in like a New York or Boston, like the accents get specific to where you may be situated within that town or city. I mean, I'm know? sure like a Brooklyn accent is different than a Long Island accent, you know, like right. not that we're big, you know, if you, again, most people in Philly would listen, most of our listeners are from Philly, but we're people from philly aren't usually the biggest fans of new york Um, i'm not saying that i you know i would know the difference or or whatever but um i would imagine each of the five boroughs in new york has its own distinct dialect right so the series is you know it's a kate kate winslet plays a a detective kind of like not unlike any detective you would see in a show like i feel like detectives and show are pretty they're pretty cliche i got like they're usually like kind of like broken down people right like i think that there's two different like archetypes but yes they're like broken down or jaded like drinker yeah or they're like or they're super cop or they're like super, super smart or something yep. like, 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 um, so, you know, Kate Winslet plays this kind of like, you know, neighborhood detective. Clearly she's good at her job, but clearly she has a lot going on in her life. Um, and it's, it's seven episodes for the series. Um, I got, we got through them pretty quickly. It's, it's a good watch. It is. It it really held my attention. Like I thought, you know, going from episode to episode, like I wanted to watch more. The acting is, I thought it was incredible. Yeah. It's superb. You know, superb would be a good description. It's, it's a, um, now, when we get into the story, there are a lot of far-fetched things that happen in it. Um, well, for and, sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's 
this is going to happen in TV, right? Like, you kind of have to suspend uh, disbelief, right? Um, well, if they were just like, oh, we're going to follow a cop as they go from, like, a coffee shop to write out a parking ticket and, you know, like, it just, <laughs> you know, um, and pull over someone for speed in. Right. You know, it's it's not necessarily would it wouldn't necessarily be the most compelling thing. So we understand that they're going to have to. Yes. Right. Like that's that's the contract that the audience and the the writer and actors make is that we know that they're not going to give us all of the humdrum of daily life. It's not that compelling. No. Um, you do get a little bit of that, like, and I, in the first episode, I feel as though. It's about right for like a first episode. Like it doesn't give you a lot till the very end of it. Um, you're mainly getting the setup, right? Like you're getting familiar with the setting, the right. characters, you know, the characters' right. lives. Yeah, like clearly, like uh, Kate Winslet. She, you know, like she's this just. It's like everybody knows everybody in the neighborhood, and um, people don't really move away. You know, like no, that's, they don't. That's right. also a very common thing, and you know, you wouldn't think of a major city, but it is a very common Philadelphia thing. Is people don't usually oh, yeah, move out of their sure. parish, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, so, like, as the series goes on, you start to see like how intertwined everybody's kind of lives are right um in more ways than one more ways than one yes now the it ends wait i'm trying to think <laughs> it's like i just watched a show and i like how's the first episode end with with the discovery of the body right right yes yeah exactly so it kind of sets up there's two two cases kind of going on there's one where Kate Winslet you can you know like she hasn't solved the case in over a year and then the new one pops up with kind of a girl that everybody clearly knows Everybody knows, and as the I don't want to do like seven episodes. You know, if we break down every episode, yeah. we'll be here all night. But not just does everybody know, but it's a classic. It's not quite like Knives Out. I don't know if you saw that movie. I did. Uh, it's not quite like Knives Out, but it, it it's a little bit of they set they set it up as it goes that everybody has a little bit of a motive, you know, um, mm -hmm. to harm this. What we're shown in the first episode to be a naive, caring down on her luck you know um young, not a good family life not a good not a good home right. life um young a teenager young, with a baby yes teenager with yeah. a baby exactly so yeah. um we're treated to there being you know here's suspect a here's you know like and it doesn't quite mm -hmm. come out that way but that's like each episode it's like re revelation of someone else that could could be the perpetrator mm-hmm um, and it kind of goes along like that, um, through all six, well, the remaining six after the episode one, right? Right. It's like, uh, here's the priest. He may have done it, you know, like, <laughs> um, yeah. 
here the ex-boyfriend you know that episode may have done it you know like um and that sticks true through the whole thing they're like oh no he didn't do it and then it's like oh maybe he did and then it's like oh maybe it was the uncle maybe it's the other uncle um maybe it's her father um yes maybe it's kate winslet's ex-husband it, it like goes through this like it could be all of these people that were were getting glimpses of their characters right um and that kind of and I, and I'm I I'm making it sound unglamorous, but it, it is a good watch. Like I you know like them going through these exercises, it's like they give you these hints. They don't give you a like here's all the reasons. So it keeps you engaged. You know they do a yeah, very like good if, job at that. Yeah, if you were to like in hindsight, like you can pick up on like if you were to watch it again, you'd you, be like, oh, I get it, right? Like yeah, but I also feel like. Here's the here's the the thing, is like yes, but it's not quite as it's not going to be quite as when you watch it back the same way as like the Sixth Sense was. No, no, no. You know where like you watch it, you're fooled. You watch it back and you go, oh man, like this was hitting me over the head, you know. Yeah. And I don't think that it's going to be quite that way if you watch it back, but there are going to be things that you pick up on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say, and I I know that I'm in the minority. I know that like, um, you know, because I've had long discussions with quite a few people that, um, I I will say that if the Sixth Sense did it this way, it would not have been well received. That's my own opinion. Um, as a viewer, I. I feel like they knew where they wanted to get, but because they went down all these other threads, they didn't have enough time to give us a good explanation of how they got there. Yeah, I mean, you have some issue with the kind of the flow of the story, you know, like. Well, I have an issue with how the story flows and how it jibes with character development, right? And mm-hmm. and how it ends. And how just some things don't add up. And I don't know if it's because COVID affected shooting and they only were planning on making seven episodes. Or was it only was it seven episodes because of COVID and they were on a different timeline? You know, like, I just don't know. Um, but I know, like, when they cast. So, spoiler alert. Again, we gave you the warning in the beginning. I'm giving it to you now. <laughs> if you don't want to know, turn it off. When they cast the kid that ends up being a killer, he was like a child. Like, if you look at the pictures, like, if they would have shot on time and not lost a year, it would be even less plausible. And that was the plan. Like, he was supposed to be... Like, he was, like... Even younger. Yeah, think about it. He would have been, like, two years younger. Right. You know, and at that age, he probably grew a lot. Right. In those two years. So... Basically, what, what winds up happening is uh, the—I mean, it's her uncle, right? It is her uncle. They do misdirection and make you think it's one uncle, but really, it's the other. And it's right, the uncle so. that's married to Mayor's friend from grade school, basically. Right. Um, and he has two children of his own. One of them being special needs. Um. And really a family that's hanging on by a thread themselves. Yes, and he's had an affair in the past. Um, 
he winds up basically it's incestuous right like it's yeah his it's his like niece, niece. it's his right is it his the niece because it's not well wait it's not it's his cousin's kid it's like a second cousin right because the dad is his brother is billy the dad was actually his cousin correct so, so yeah, it's a second cousin I believe that's um, what a second cousin is that yeah so it's a cousin of a cousin so it's well the it, child of a cousin relative regardless yeah, regardless yep um they were it happened at a family outing yes and she's also underage yes so she's um, 17 when we're introduced to her you would assume that that encounter happened when she was 16 right so he gets her pregnant um she passes it off as her boyfriend's kid yes it's like this whole hatch plan right it seems that way um and she basically um the child needs surgery yes the child needs a, a surgery that is expensive and she wants the money to pay for the surgery and basically she has a freak out after an incident with the fake father of this child and she starts texting the actual father of this child her her father's cousin for the money saying she's going to tell everybody if you don't give me the money and the Correct. child intercepts the messages yes um just to just to say this like i saw this today and it made perfect sense they're like why didn't she just send like set up like a gofundme page for the for the money for the surgery like she's clearly tech savvy right I mean, and, she set up an, a, a whole page to be an escort, so, yeah. Yeah, so, like, why go down that whole route? Just do a GoFundMe, and I'm, if these are all neighborhood people, like, I'm sure they'll contribute to it. Anyway, that's... And that's beside the point, but a good, <laughs> but a good point. But right. my main point of contention, if you watch the show, you'll know what I mean, is... I feel like if they were going to go down this route, they could have just told the story through Mare's eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, where because they do this thing where they directly obfuscate conversations between Lori, who is Mare's friend, and uh, John, who is the child, her husband, the child's father. Mm-hmm. And then they obfuscate the discussions between John and the and their son, which ends up being the killer. And they they we deliberate they deliberately show us like we're going into it halfway through the conversation and it's whispers, and I feel like they don't do that with any other character, and they show us these different full scenes that we wouldn't know if they didn't show us that deliberately point us in different directions, and I'm fine with misdirections, but I don't understand why we the audience are having obfuscation for one character and not all. Unless we were following it through Mare's eyes, and we're not, because if we were following it through Mare's eyes, we wouldn't have seen Dylan, the fake father of the son, chasing down Aaron's friend with a gun and pull, yanking her out from the bottom of the car, uh, underneath a car. And like, yeah, I mean, they could have honestly not even had that whole part. You know what I mean? That part is only in there for misdirection. That's literally yeah. the only the only reason for it. And that's where I feel like as an audience member of like, 
why am I seeing this part, but I'm not seeing the whole conversations, you know, other well, than just to misdirect me, which I feel like doesn't make sense in a story model you're using. And I know that's yeah. like a bit pedantic, but I, I see your point, but there is a bit of an explanation for that. Like they kind of get around that by setting up that the, that the father has had an affair in the past. Yeah, but even right? even so, so even like when you see that like kind of interaction, like this is our secret. That's what you think, like. Well, that's what they, they deliberately make you think. That's right. But that's fine. But then there's another conversation between Lori and John where that is up, where she's t he's telling her she's got to lie to Mare, and we don't hear it. We just hear whispers. Mm -hmm. And I still, f and I again, I feel like, why? If I'm the audience, mm -hmm. and I'm going to be shown full conversations of other times people lied, why is this deliberately withheld from me, except for to hide it from me? And, and mm -hmm. if you're hiding it from me as the audience, then you should be telling me the story at through Mare's eyes. Right. Gotcha. You know? Right. Like, that's, that's my own opinion. That's like one of a few of, like of, of like issues I have with like, I just feel like they, they were like, this will be the plot twist and we're going to try and like give you little hints, but we're going to deliberately lead you another way, which is fine, but it should be an even way of storytelling it should not well, they be... also try to yeah i mean they tried to lead you w away with dylan like him not being him not being home when his girlfriend woke up and, and they don't even explain to... what was going on right like where was he we don't get any any of that explanation i mean he's like a shithead loser like and all of a sudden he cares about this kid that's not his and will pull a gun on a girl to protect that so his parents get cut like that doesn't seem it doesn't jive with his character development his character no. development seemed only to care about himself right you know and all so, and and they lead you to believe he's going to smother that baby when it's crying when he's in the hospital like the character development it, it just doesn't stay true to that and again, like these complaints are not like I liked the show. You know, we mm -hmm. started off this with saying it's engaging. These are points, though, where I feel like sometimes when shows go for the plot twist, it just gets too cute by a factor of one. Yeah, like, I mean, the only characters who like Mare holds up throughout the whole the whole series, I think, you know, like her development yes yes that is consistent and her mother's yeah. character development is consistent and and the daughter and the daughter and even um her ex-husband who's played by roy from the office like his character <laughs> you no know, i didn't even realize i was him honestly no you didn't no it was the beard that threw me off but as soon as you said it like it clicked well you know that the other detective was michael's nephew too right yes okay he had yeah you know, got spanked in the middle of the office and <laughs> turned him into a detective in upper darby <laughs> uh, move from Scranton to Upper Darby. Yeah. Um, but yes, her character, like a good chunk of them do, but, and I also feel like, again, spoiler alert, so 
there's the parallel with her friend's daughter, the parallel case that feels very similar, but it's not. And when it, when they get into the scene where they catch that man, the whole fucking scene felt ripped from the final scene in Silence of the Lambs. A bit. It did. You know, like, the only difference is, like... There were two of them? There was two of them. Um, but it's... Dude, if you if you watch it back, and I'm gonna say these things, and maybe it will, it, you'll see where I'm going. So he knows that they know, they know yeah. that he knows that they know, and they're doing yeah. this dance just like Clarice does with Buffalo Bill. Yeah. And then you see the moth, and for them, they saw the cigarettes on the table. Right. Boom. Same thing. Right. He goes to get something, but gets his gun. Same thing. Right. right. Um. Zabel's got his hand on his gun again. Same idea. And then the 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 the, the really th- right. So he shoots Zabel. Mayor goes running, and oh, lo and behold, he has security cameras, so he can see everything she's doing, but she can't see him. Very similar to having the lights off, and he has night vision goggles. Yes. Yep. You know, like you're not wrong. And she yeah. comes up. She comes across the two girls that are locked up and has to leave them, just like Clarice runs across. Um, it wasn't Frederica Bimmel. I forget the name of the... Um, yeah, with, I forget her name, too. Um, but runs across the, the girl in the well and has to leave her. And it just... It felt like, again, it, maybe it's not exact, but man, it's fucking close. You it's, know? It's damn close. So, like, f- all of those things being said, I did enjoy it. I just, I just feel like... Personally, I feel like the twist is a bit played out. And I feel like they could have told a more straightforward story and it wouldn't true detective tells a pretty close, like tell, tells a nonlinear, but they don't usually hit you with a very big plot twist, you know, and it's still engaging. Uh, Minus season two, season two was just terrible, but yeah, but dude, I remember watching season one though. And you're, we were talking about like supernatural shit. Yeah, but then it, like, but then it ended up. But that's the way it felt like it was leading you. But then it was just like, oh yeah, it's the fucking guy who cuts the grass at the abandoned church, you know? Like, <laughs> but like, it wasn't a crazy like how we got there wasn't a crazy twist, you know? Like, yes, there were a lot of th- theories about what it could be, but the reality mm-hmm. is, is when we got down to the brass tacks of who it was, it, you weren't like left like what. Yeah. You know. Um Yeah, and all all said and done, like it was a good show. I'd give it an A. I'm pretty certain Kate Winslet will win some sort of an award for it. Um, she said she'd come back for another run. She did. Uh, I don't think the showrunner wants to do another or one. the writer of it. Um he had it in mind that, that this was it. it. This was it. It makes sense for it to end there because, again, how many like once in a lifetime cases can a detective in a small town get? Right. Right. Um, but the show was extremely popular. She said she wants to do it. If she if she came out and said she's an executive producer on the show, mm-hmm. if she came out and said 
hey, I played that character, love doing it, but that's it for me. The show ends there. She she sang, I'm open to it. it. It was popular. There's a lot more money to be had and more money to go into it. There's a possibility we get another season. I think that she would end up playing a character like Zabel was to her. Like that if they do another season. Where there's yeah, this case I mean, that they call her in at and maybe it's, you know Right. In Yaden or <laughs> another Delaware County town. Yeah. You know, like um where she's gotta make a jump over. It would just yeah. would make sense, you know. Or a state police one. Yeah, I mean it's Pennsylvania's a big state. It is a big state. Could be so, out by Pittsburgh, you know. She could get some Permani brothers. No, nah, no, nah, let's keep her on the <laughs> Eastern part of the We'll keep it on the cheesesteak side or the roast pork side. Yeah. So, yes. All in all, watch it. It's pretty, it's excellent. Yeah. Uh, Take my comments with a grain of salt. You know, again, I feel like I can be a little bit. They're valid, though. They're valid. They're valid, but I also get that, you know, I'm also being like Larry Literal. Go. All right. <laughs> so, on another Philadelphia topic, um, Sixers closed out last night. Hold on, hold on. No. Yeah. Hit my music. Hit, hit the music. <laughs> um, they close out the Wizards last night. Um, close in the first half, and then once they pulled away, it was over. Yeah, and. If you go back to game four, it's a way different when you lose your centerpiece in the middle. In the, the middle game, of the game, right? absolutely. As opposed to like you're having a game not to have him. Yeah, right? when you have a whole game plan from the jump. Yeah. I'll tell um, you what, though, Tyrese Maxey is a real joy. Dude, he is not afraid to attack the rim, no. which is pretty fun to watch he's got that really nice like long foot floater yeah it's a real nice touch there um and it's refreshing to see like this is a rookie in a playoff game coming up big you needed him you know like yeah fun to watch harris too harris coming up big when you need yeah he's he should have been on the all-star team. Yeah, he's um, really having a career year. He, he looks really underrated compared to like where the league sees him. Yeah, and then Ben Simmons ends up with a triple-double. And not a hollow one. No, 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 no. Um, like, he's not like, uh, yeah, he's not like a stats guy where, like, he's... I'm gonna take this shot just to get my triple double. Like you're right. Like it's he gets it right, yeah. and um, l- like he may very well be the best defender in the league. Oh, a hundred percent. As soon as he got on Bradley Beal in the second half, like put him in the sh- penitentiary. <laughs> he certainly did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. And they tried to hack him in the in the first half. He went four for six. And he hit the foul shots yeah. where he didn't let them do that for the remainder of the game. But it also, 
like it's one of those things where it actually makes less even if you're going to get him to miss the foul shots it actually makes less sense because the Sixers defense in transition is nowhere near as good as it is in the half court mm-hmm. so like when you hack him if he makes any it's completely negated what you got because right. not only are you giving free points but you're taking away the ability to go in transition which is the lone weak spot in the Philadelphia defense. And I wouldn't even call it weak. It's just not as good as their half-court defense. Correct. Um, so, yeah, they close that series out, and they're moving on to the Hawks. Sunday at 1 o'clock. Yes. Football and, game time. Yeah, they, in my opinion, they should close this out. Another gentleman sweep? Yeah, like yeah, I would say in five. Um, even if it goes six, six, uh, they should be able to beat the Hawks even without. If Embiid sits the series, they still should be able to beat the Hawks. They should, like they, you know, the Hawks have Trey Young, but you know he'll get his points, but it's a lot different Trey Young from going from the Knicks to playing the Sixers and. Having Ben Simmons guard, yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah, like, I mean, is Trey Young a better shooter than Beal? I'd say uh, there's not no. many guys that have a good I as mean, good a stroke as Bradley Beal. Or that can get to the, the basket as good. Correct. Yeah, you're right. I would think Trey Young's Beal, a very good player. This is yeah. not, you know, yeah. I'm not saying he stinks. I'm just saying Bradley Beal. Is in the midst of, or was in the midst of, just an exceptional year. He's got an exceptional stroke, mm-hmm. and I, I'm not at the point where I'm going to say Trey Young is a better offensive player than Bradley Beal. No, he's not. Uh, yeah, for sure not. So, and Brett Beal got his thirty. You know, it's not like he didn't. And as much as I talk about. You know why I think Russell Westbrook isn't what people think he is. He's still a very good player, and I don't know that Atlanta has a player that's quite as good as Russell Westbrook. No, yeah, it's a favorable matchup. You're right. Even that one seed is makes a huge difference. Huge, because now you're playing Atlanta rather than Milwaukee. So the Nets play Milwaukee. Yeah, and you know, like so. Look, best case scenario is Embiid needs to sit two games and he's fine. You know, worst case scenario, he misses this whole series. Yeah. Um... Dude's got to not lock his knees out. Like, he lands with straight legs. That's where all these problems are from. Yeah, and on one leg, like... He locks, he goes in the air and he locks it, he lands with locked knees. That's what happened earlier when he like jammed his knee earlier yeah, in the year. Yeah, you can't come down that hard at that hard, straight, at that speed, straight at leg, that weight. At that size, yeah. Yeah, it's going to buckle. There's, yeah, that's literally where all these problems over like the last four years have come from is landing on straight legs. Yeah. Um, like it hyperextends, yeah. It just pinches the meniscus, like that's just... You know, he's luckily he's lucky that he hasn't like done like a like a severe strain. Yeah. yeah, like your meniscus is like a little, almost like a gasket. 
um, right. in your knee. And when you, when you land like that, you could make it pinched where it could like actually lock your knee at different spots when you like really cause a severe strain or tear. But like the, I, I kind of, when that happened the other night, I was pretty negative. I was texting you and you were the positive one. Like people would not believe it when I, when you say that just, <laughs> I, I'm accused of no, being I mean, a curmudgeon. Like you were saying like, this is what the injury is and this is what the diagnosis is and this is how long it takes to come back. And my response to that is medical journals aren't written for a seven foot two, 280 pound Cameroonian man men, um, <laughs> that play in the NBA. No, They're but for me and you, but you know what I mean? But one of the people I listened to is a doctor from the Jefferson Network that worked for the Eagles. Right. You know, so like, yes, it's there's not a seven foot two man from Cameroon on the Eagles, but football is a pretty demanding sport and you deal with some pretty freak athletes there, too. Um, and he seemed pretty optimistic. Um. If you, I think NBC or CBS ran ran it. Also, here's another bit. I don't really trust what they tell me either. Well, that's understandable because we did deal with a similar injury in 2017. If you remember, it happened right around the All Star break, and then he basically didn't play the rest of the season. Right. He. It's a similar had, injury. He had a bone bruise and missed 18 games. Like. But I wonder, here's, here's what we'll never know. I wonder how, like how much of that he actually needed to miss and how much of that was just, we're going to be overly cautious because we mismanaged an Embiid injury in the past. Yeah. Listen, like, and I think that's why he didn't play last game. Honestly, I think that, I think that the, when it com- everything that I've heard about this injury is it's about swelling and pain tolerance. And I feel like they said, like, we're just, if we can close it out, we're not going to push him because I feel like they pushed him when he had the similar injury in 17 and it tore worse. And he, we never saw him back. He had to get surgery to repair it. And I just worry about, like, how this hurts like the flow of a team where where a guy's like coming in and out of practice and in and out of games like does that what does that do for your team like I don't what I'm most worried about with with it is really what it does for like him being off and his shooting you know how good his shooting has been mm-hmm. and and starting off you know cold or needing some time to get back to your to your stroke I think the team is built the same regardless of if Joe plays or not it just what what changes it is really like where the kick ins and kick outs come from but I think that Curry's going to play the way Curry does now they might take longer to get their shots you know they might be running deeper in the shot clocks mm-hmm. to get their looks but I, I don't think it's going to affect it all that much just because the chemistry the chemistry is what it like it's cooked in you know, 
Yeah. I, I don't think it's the same as like when Lindros came back and I know, then I, I left right away. Like, I don't right. think it's that. I don't think this team is that team. I get like, but I, I also feel like the dynamic is different and and it's just, I, I, I get it, but I also feel like it's not a quarterback where like timing with receivers is going to be different. It's, it's just, it's a big man. It's not a guard I, I or a forward. Why do I just feel like in Philadelphia, like the star player just always fucking gets knocked out? You know what I mean? Like Other than Allen in, in 2001? Yeah, like you got Wentz getting knocked out. They won the Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of like a fluke to me, but still like. You don't win a championship by accident, but I get your point. It's not common. Right, like, but, but you you got these teams that are like they're vying for the championship, and then star player gets knocked out. So you got like a Wentz, and you have you mentioned like a Lindros, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, McNabb got injured a couple times. Like that's why championships are hard to win. You I know, they, like, I guess you're right. Yeah, it's we we feel it is exceptionally so because we don't for for being the fifth largest city in the country for having teams that try other than when they went through the process. We don't. I mean, I think the Phillies are one of the worst franchises in sports history, just in terms of losses. But um, that being said, I do believe that they try. Um and the Flyers and the um, Eagles definitely always, I mean, the Flyers have not been good, but that's not for lack right. of spending money, you know, like, um, and so we haven't, you know, with that dynamic, we haven't, what we've got all four major sports, we haven't won that much in our lifetime, but we also aren't as, like, this happens in a lot of cities, it's it's hard to, it's, it becomes a war of, when the playoffs come, it does become a war of attrition, sometimes the bigger guys go down. You know, like, yeah, I know. I just like, I would just love to see like back up where things being equal, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I just what we were looking I forward just don't to, like, losing to injury. No, it sucks. <laughs> it sucks. And what we were looking forward to the most was yeah. getting to a conference title and playing either Milwaukee or Brooklyn with our best players right like that's what we are looking forward to um and we may still end up playing one of those teams i think that we both feel that way we just said it um but it's a much different series if joe plays you know yeah um if they can win in six without joe and yeah if they can win in six without joe and he gets the rest the whole series i think he'll be fine yeah, I, I hope they're just being honest with us. You know, that's what I fear. Yeah, I mean, I, I, they don't have a good track record. So when I say the next statement, just remember they don't have a good track record. Right. I don't know what they gain like by by lying. Like, I don't know or, or by being less than honest. I don't know what they gain because he's either going to be on the court or not. You know, like, I just don't know. <laughs> right? Like, I don't get what you yeah. gain by that. I don't I don't get it. Uh, but I also don't own a multi, you know, hundred million dollar franchise, you know. So what, what do I know? I just the truth is going to come out, and it's better for people to learn it as soon as possible than feel like you lied about it. Yeah, like 
Right. I, I wonder what goes into that. Is it like that people are going to buy tickets? They're going to buy tickets anyway. It's the playoffs. And it's the first time they've we've been able to get tickets for over a year. You know, like... Yeah. So, like, people are going to are buy are gonna buy them whether Joe plays or not. And um, people are going to buy them on the secondary market whether Joe plays or not. And that's not me saying they wouldn't rather see Joel play. Obviously, they'd rather see Joel play. It's the it's the fucking playoffs, man. They're going to buy right. tickets anyway. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're right. If it was the regular season, I might feel different, but... This is it, you know. Like after the playoffs are over, it's the off season, and then you got you're going to be waiting until October. So, on another note, um, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking hockey, but I'm just going to mention it, and we can talk a little bit about it, and then we'll move on to fantasy football. Uh-huh. But um, I looked at the calendar, so the last possible date for the Stanley Cup, like the last game of the Stanley Cup is July 8th. Uh-huh. Within like four days, teams, after that game, teams have to turn in their protected list for the expansion draft. And then the expansion draft is like three days after that. <laughs> and then the day after the expansion draft is the draft. So like literally the, the off season for hockey is going to start July 9th. And basically all of July is the entire off season. <laughs> Jeez. It's like um, protected list, um, expansion draft, draft, which they do kind of like hockey. It's like round one, rounds two and three, I believe, and then the rest. But um, and then after that, it's like the buyout window where teams will buy out of their bad or some try to buy out some of their bad contracts, and then it's free agency, like within like a two and a half week span. It's quick moving. Yeah. It is. It is. It's because you're going to get a lot of trade after the buyouts and stuff. You're, that's when you're going to start seeing trades. Is like right around when free agency kicks off because right. teams are going to want to free up cap space to sign guys. But it's a flat cap again, and there's going to be some really interesting things because I think that there's going to be some trades where teams retain some salary. It's going to be an interesting, interesting off season. But furious pace, which again is it's exciting as a fan. It's just. After July closes, it's August, and preseason starts in September. You know, like, the turnaround time's going to be really fast. Man, they don't even give the cup winner a freaking day to breathe. They want to get back to normal. Yeah. You know, they want to get the cap, or they want to get the, they have the new television contract. They want to get it rolling and get everything back right. You know, this was, like, the weirdest year. Everybody talked about, like, the bubble not being real. I feel like this year is less real than that. With, like, no practices, no, you know, like, it was yeah, a fun I mean, fun year. I'm not going to sit here and talk about, like, how hockey stunk or anything. I think the teams that are playing now are the better teams in the league. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the rules made it to where it's not quite, you know, a regular year. Yeah. So. So. Um, that's hockey talk. That's all you're going to probably get until the cup, you know, we're either at the cup or the cup's over. Um, and you know, well, who do you think gets there? I guess. Personally, I think, I think that we would all as hockey fans be best served if it's Tampa Bay versus Colorado. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking, I've been seeing, like, Colorado's highlights and everything, so. Uh, Nathan McKinnon is probably the best player in the league right now. Yeah, he's on fire. No, oh, yeah, he's, he's amazing. Just truly amazing. Um, so that's the, uh, I mean, it, it very well could be Vegas. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say that it couldn't be Vegas. But I think Colorado is going to. Okay going to go I think that you'll get Boston versus um, Tampa Bay in, in the Eastern Conference Final and then Colorado versus oh geez um, uh, Montreal got it um, the suspension that just happened to a good player in Winnipeg so um, I think Montreal is going to take that series plus it's tough to bet against good goaltending in the playoffs Carry Price is pretty good. He is pretty good. <laughs> Some say. People yeah. are saying. People are saying. So um, that brings us again to the whole reason that this podcast, website, and whatnot was started, to talk about fantasy football. And as we get more into June, it will probably eat up more of our talking time. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about... Um, the first thing I wanted to talk about is, you know, I was doing that document and I'm starting to add more. I'm stuck a bit in the mud because um, I started to try and do some projection stuff and that's pretty intensive. <laughs> um, so one thing when I was writing up that document was really just how thin tight end is once you get beyond like the top four and then like, mm-hmm. re- definitely after you get past like the top six, it gets really, really thin. Um. And the position itself has just become so, like, basically touchdown dependent. When you're starting a tight end, especially if you're just going to just pick guys up, you're trying to bet whoever's going to get a touchdown. For sure, yeah. Like, so I, um, is the position yeah. broken, I guess, is what I wanted to, to – my topic was, is the tight end position broken, and what can we do to fix it? I mean, the only way – the only thing you could do to fix it is – change the point system i guess right like go to like a like where a tight end catch like we do half ppr go to something where it's like a full for a tight end yeah like a tight end premium basically basically yeah do like full point per reception for tight ends and do some kind of bonus at 50 yards either that or like you don't the tight end becomes like another flex position which I'm really against. Yeah. Like, I, like, as much as I was for taking away kickers, I, where does it end? Do we just do a quarterback, a one running back now, and like five flexes? No, I guess like... Because running backs are so thin, you know, like is that going to be the next argument? We only do one running back? No. Um, I... I I guess you could argue what what would it matter because if you made that another flex, like you're really getting in the weeds with like players that aren't going to be that good anyway. So to probably would be comparable to starting some, some tight ends, right? Like, well, theoretically like the top three tight ends are just as valuable if not more than like Travis Kelsey is probably as valuable as like a top five wide receiver. Like if you t- 
took his stats and made him just a wide receiver, I think he's no worse than a wide receiver ten. Yeah, like he is a he's surely going to be a benefit. Like he's worth. I would say he's worth well. He's it. a top ten receiver. If you just did it a flex, yeah. he'd be as valuable as a top ten receiver. Right. I. Yeah. Um. And Waller but, would probably be like a top fifteen receiver. Same as yeah, like you could always flex him and then pick up another tight end later and do it th- do it that way, but but then it just basically again yeah um I feel like like personally I feel like when you do that you take away another ounce of strategy and that's do I like do I is it worth it for me to take Kelsey in the first or second round? You know, like, you instantly take that kind of thing away, that kind of part of strategy. And and position value, you know, like, those are things that are true in fantasy. And I just, I feel like eliminating or going to flex eliminates, takes away a little bit of the spirit of the game. Um, You know, like, if truly only four guys are worth taking, that that means eight other teams in your league, you're basically going to score the same each week with a guy on average on the weeks on average. Correct. So the idea would be is like, yes, you're correct. But the reality is, is like you would have to do like an average of like, you know, there's guys that are going to get four and then the guy that scores a touchdown is going to get 12, but he's not going to score a touchdown every, you know, like they're not, they're Mm going to flip flop who scores the touchdown. Right. You know, so when you have the guys who are good, it does give yeah. you a pretty big advantage. Um, obviously, like if you take a Kelsey, you're spending draft capital where you're not getting either top running back or wide receiver, so you're, you may be weaker in that area. Although you have much more chance and right, like ther- theoretically picking a running back or a wide receiver that because it's a deeper position. Well, it depends. So, yeah, it depends how you want to like what like quote unquote strategy or philosophy you're following. Right. So if you're doing like like the argument for going with a lot of running backs is you're doing position scarcity. Well, position scarcity would actually argue for Kelsey. Yeah. You know, like because. Look, if you made a bet over like the last four years that Kelsey was going to end up as the tight end one or two, you 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 won that bet. You know, like most years, mm-hmm. um, he is the historically. I don't want to say definitely this year, but he is the most likely when you like statistically to finish number one at his position compared to the number one running back going off the board being actually the running back one or the number one receiver off the running the, the board being the actual wide receiver one like right. he has the the best chance to finish his actual one at his position compared to the other people that are going to go first at their position if um, that makes sense the it, way I it makes that. sense the, the only problem there is like you only start one tight end right it is a onesie position, yeah. you know, but at the same time, that also means that, like, you don't have a chance for someone else to make up for a bad week, right? So while you start two receivers or two running backs, if one of them has a big week, it can make up for one mediocre week, whereas a tight end, you get one shot at it. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Like, so your point is definitely well taken. It's been the argument I've made for a decade. You know, like, taking the onesie positions in your first five, top five picks isn't usually the best idea. That being said, positional advantage is important, you know? Sure, it is. Like, I feel like... I wouldn't take a tight end and a... Like, I wouldn't take both a tight end and a quarterback if you're in one quarterback leagues in your first five picks. You know, like, I wouldn't take two onesie positions. Right, I, I but I guess the argument with with the quarterback is your number one quarterback doesn't outscore the 10th quarterback by as much as your top tight end outscores the 10th tight end, if that makes sense. It does, but I actually think that it's... The disparities are probably not, like, as stark as we think think um or as we are playing it off Mm -hmm. um let me uh let me just pull it up because like the top like the number one like the year for lamar jackson like two years ago like he really outscored everybody um by a lot but the reality is is like number one quarterback it's unlikely to finish one two years in a row um, so I'm just, I want to just bear with me while I, I try to, um, flesh out your point. But the idea is, is that you're not going to, you can find a quarterback that's serviceable later. You cannot find a tight end that's serviceable later. Not, no. I mean, not on average anyway. So let's see, we'll do all 17 games, right? So no, you're 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 closer to right than I am. Josh Allen, four hundred and five points is only fifteen points better for the season <laughs> than Kyler Murray, number two. Thank you. Whereas Kelsey is about thirty points better, yeah. so it's like a double difference. But and again, I, and the I jump. Bet you, I bet you he's like a hundred points better than like the tenth rank guy. Dude, it's right? not even that far down. And that's the point. Like that's yeah. your point. Let me change it to yeah. half. But that's that's also the point. So he's about a hundred points better than the third ranked tight end, at least last year, in yeah. one less game. Talking about two sixty for Kelsey, one fifty for Robert Tunyon. Whereas at quarterback. Last year, Josh Allen had four four oh five. In order to get a hundred point disparity, you'd have to go down to um, quarterback twelve, and yeah. then that's a huge drop off, right? And quarterback eleven, but that's one for every team when you get down to eleven and twelve. You know, I mean to to make the tight end be more relevant you would have to just change your point structure um yeah which I is, mean, isn't, which... isn't 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 that the reason why there's points per reception 
I mean, that was to do it, it between was, running back and wide receiver. Correct. It was to equal those positions out more. Correct. Correct. Which, you know, I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan with the philosophy behind it. I just think, okay, you know, it just also pushes the running backs who catch into another stratosphere. You know, like yeah, I mean, it does, yeah. But nonetheless, point being is the position's broken. We know it, um, but also that you should take that into consideration, as we just said. Um, the point disparity when you get so it's like obviously uh, Kittle didn't play like he was pretty much injured all year mm-hmm. but basically when you're looking at half point per reception that's what we use I feel like that's the new standard you're talking about Travis Kelsey 260 points Darren Waller 225 and then it is a cliff right um, yeah and everybody is pretty much the same once you get off that cliff. Tunyon sure had 150. Well, um, he was six. Tight end nine had 121 over a season, 30 points. You know. So that that is like kind of why, to me, that position doesn't matter as much. I want to say because unless you get one of the- Everybody's top three. in the same boat, right? Once you get out of the top three, yeah. So the the question really is, how worthy are those top three? Yeah, like I want to, I I know for a fact, in just in our league, your dad had Kelsey. He's in the championship. I I would warrant. I think it's warranted to take Travis Kelsey at pick ten, and beyond. Yeah, like. If it, go back to the previous season and the season after that, where Kelsey was, where he's at, like, where does that team end up? I mean, you know? but that's not. I get your point, but it's very tough to make a one-to-one correlation causation um, with that position. But point being is, is that it gives you such a positional advantage, mm-hmm. like just such a beyond positional advantage. I would say. Um, it's, I would say at pick ten, and even you could even go before, um, as long as the wide receiver one, probably the wide receiver one, wide res- two, through wide receiver three, and or the running back one through one, running back three are off the board, you could take Kelsey at any point after that. Yeah, you know, like don't take. I, I wouldn't take Kelsey before I took um, Tyreek Hill. Um. I wouldn't take Kelsey before I probably took um, Devontae Adams. But now, once... like you, you would really be in trouble if you take Kelsey and he gets hurt. It would it would sink your season. Yeah. Like it would it sink would, your season. Yeah. Because then you're playing catch up with every pick after Kelsey. They're you know, the players just the... start, you know, down. The risk of bust if you take Kelsey in the late first, early second is this is similar to the risk that you take when you have a running back when you have a top three pick and you take a running back, mm-hmm. which is because you're waiting so long. The players that you're getting to back up that player or the other choices that you're making, it's very hard. It's much easier to back up a player if you went running back, running back with pick eleven, 
you're going to get someone of e- should, that should have an equal range of outcomes. Mm-hmm. And but when you take a running back at top three, and then if you took another running back, um, at the end of the second, the range of outcomes aren't going to be the same. You know, like right. unless for some reason some player really fell. You know, but um, and that becomes also true at, at wide receiver. You know, your wide receiver seven off the board isn't going to have the same upside as your you know wide receiver one through three. So that that sacrifice that you're making, if you have a bust or an, an injury, you're not. If you take Kelsey, you might not take another tight end at all. You know. Yeah, I wouldn't. No, why would you? But but right. the risk is if he goes down, what you're going to get off the scrap heap most likely is not going to be Travis Kelsey. And no, no, no. And um, so yeah, very good point. And you have to consider that, you know, like you're going to weaken yourself, not just at that position, but somewhere else if you have an injury, but we don't bet on, you know, like no, we don't. you can only play, play it safe so much. You have to take risks. Correct. You know, to me personally, this is why I would advocate going for Darren Waller or Kittle in the third, because the risk, even though it still will thin you out, the risk is a little bit less. But also the height, you know, like the reward is a little bit less. Plus, like, yeah, now you, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you, you will have a positional advantage over, you know, 10 other teams in the league. Yeah, pretty right? much. And, you're, well, you really have it over 11. Like, you have the best player. Um, if you take Waller or Kittle, yeah, then it's more like ten. Like you might not have better than the reverse or better than Kelsey. Like, real, yeah. So you won't, but like, but you still will be that much better. Can, yeah. yeah. Each week you can pencil it in. Pencil it in as like I won this side. Tight end, the tight end. You will most likely win that matchup. Yep. Yep. So yeah, I I agree with you there. You're right. And that is, so when you see people and you hear us talk about, you know, not having the first quarterback off the board, the top quarterback just doesn't give you that same advantage. That's just the reality. That's just the math. It's nice having a set and forget quarterback. I'm not going to sit here and say it isn't. Um, But unless you have that guy who was like, like Josh Allen wasn't a a top three quarterback off the board. Um, and even so, I don't know that a league that I was in where someone had him actually finished that great. But also last year was just a weird year anyway. Uh-huh. Um, but point being is, is like it, it just doesn't it just doesn't give you the same positional advantage. That's that's no. the long and short of it. That's really like that's it. I mean, so do with it do with that information as you will. <laughs> um, you could tell me I'm an idiot, as I always say. You can tell me I don't know what I'm talking about. I disagree but okay um but that's the truth you know that's it, the truth yeah it, it, it may not give you a positional advantage but it would give you an advantage if you had taken that player late in your you would be more likely to be able to have built a more successful team so Correct. the later that you can get a good performing quarterback the better just right. like any other position Yes. Right. Like that's just, again, that's just the math. So um, on the last point, like I said, um, 
I'm a bit stuck in the mud. Uh, I hope to have my full top 36, top running backs and wide receivers, top 20 quarterbacks, top, I don't know, top 15 tight ends, um, <laughs> all in a digestible document um, within the next week and a half. Um, the projections are going to be a little bit slower going because there's a lot of data gathering that I have to do before I can actually project. Uh-huh. And I'm in the, I'm about 10 teams, 12, 12 teams into the data gathering side. Um, so hopefully if I get the write-ups done in a week and a half, that by the end of June, I can get projections done and then I can blow it all up when players get cut and yeah. moved on and Detroit signed 17 more running backs I just I don't know if you saw yeah. the news today but they're trying to sign Todd Gurley too and I was high on DeAndre Swift but I don't know what the hell that team is doing I don't know that they know what they're doing no I mean you're going to have injuries and all that stuff so yeah. but I got to get it done for it. my magazine to get published uh, you do <laughs> so yeah I mean uh, I should have Again, all that stuff done by definitely by the end of June. Uh, if you just go to drivewayathletes.com, uh, you can see what I have up pre-draft. Obviously, things will shuffle. Like, I believe Najee Harris is my running back 14 right now. Yeah. He is not on my original ranks because nowhere he was going to go. Yeah. Um, and DeAndre Swift, I believe, was 13. He's going to shuffle around as well. So, like, go and read the, the stuff, but some... Some paragraphs are going to change based on different players coming and going. Um, don't get too wrapped up in the coach speak, though. No, 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 no. They all love their players. They're all the best they've ever looked. Yeah, they have run smooth routes and or... Hit the weight room hard. Throw a football 60 yards with nobody around them. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, on that note, I guess we're going to wrap up tonight. All right, man. Um, yeah, and then next week we should be back and look for, other than Sixers talk, fantasy football starting to eat into more of our conversations. So if you stuck it out this long, we'll see you back next week. All right. Good night.